Just our real estate episode number 320. If I have a property on the market for rent for over three or four days, it's like a uh, it's like a hair on fire emergency. I mean, that, we don't <laughs> see that. All right, guys, thank you for joining me here on Just Our Real Estate. I'm excited to be with you, and I'm excited to bring you the awesome, awesome interview that I have for you today. It's with a great investor here locally in Michigan, somebody that I know personally, and I can tell you this guy is a rock star. You will learn a lot, so get ready to learn. Get ready to take some notes. It's going to be awesome. Before we do, I want to talk to you about our new sponsor. Now, this company has done wonders for me. There's a great guy behind the company. The company that I'm talking about is AdWord Nerds. Now, Edward Nerds is a cool name, first of all, because I think it's very memorable. But the guy behind this, Dan Barrett, who I, you know, I dare say I'm becoming friends with, actually, because I'm working with this company. This is not a company that is just, you know, saying, hey, you know, we'll give you money if you tell us, you know, if you if you advertise our, our business. This is a company that I'm actually working with and getting real world results. They are a fully certified Google partner, the only agency of their kind that works exclusively with real estate investors. So I'm talking about Google AdWords here, guys. That That is really what has really kind of transformed my business lately and brought me more leads than, than I really thought was capable uh, online and really, really great leads. They're the first company, and Dan is the first person to develop a proprietary in-house AdWords system specifically designed to work with real estate investors like us. They're A-plus rated, Better Business Bureau, and it, working with them is really different than working with a lot of pay-per-click uh, pay guys out there. They're 100% transparent. I mean, Dan is like the coolest guy I've ever worked with. I I look forward to talking to him and having you know strategy sessions about my business and, and what he's doing in the Google AdWords space for my business. They're just super client-focused, and they're just a blast, man. I, I can't even express to you how awesome it is to be working with him. It's not just some anonymous company with some you know customer support guy you get online to kind of like help you through this he's works with you he talks about your business super easy to talk to and super super knowledgeable about what he's doing you know the best thing about them really and the, and the most significant thing I can tell you is they will work with you for free for an entire month and let you test drive their services They'll let you work with them for a month. Now, this isn't a month of theory and a month of planning. They're working for you in that month, and they are potentially bringing you leads that are going to pay off, that you're going to make money from, and they're doing it for free with no obligation to you, and you only pay them the next month if they're actually providing you value after that first 30 days. So they always offer, always work month to month too. It's it's not like you sign some big contract where you're obligated, you know, for a year whether whether they're doing a good job or not. It's month to month. Listen, you can cut these guys loose after a month if you're not happy with them. And frankly, if you're not happy after the first month, you've paid them nothing. Call them now, get a hold of them now. 
they're going to give you an hour's worth of consultation, initial consultation, absolutely free. Normally, it's like $297 just to talk with them for an hour to see if it makes sense for you. They'll do that for free, 60 minutes. They'll come up with a strategy and let you know if they think Google AdWords is going to work for you. And the only way you can get this is to be a listener of mine. They're not offering this to everybody, okay? They're going to give you that one hour of consultation absolutely free as a thank you for listening to this podcast and reaching out to them. You can find them on the web if you go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Mike. Okay, that's forward slash me, Mike, at Just Start Real Estate. So go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Mike to get that one hour consultation free and to talk with Dan Man, you're going to see in this interview, he is the coolest guy ever. He's a lot of fun, knows his stuff, and I can tell you from experience, guys, and we're going to talk about the podcast, the first month we were working together, they their services paid for itself 10 times over. I mean, it was just incredible. So go there and check them out, adwordsnerds.com forward slash Mike, or you could always go to juststartrealestate.com, my website, on the right-hand side, Click on the AdWords Nerds banner. It'll take you right to their site where you can get that one month free and the first hour consultation free as well. Guys, you really have to go check them out. I think after this interview, you are going to be as fired up as you can possibly be to go and do that. So go check them out. I highly, highly, highly encourage you and think it'll be the best thing you've done for your business in a long time. All right, guys, thank you for joining me here on Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate you being here. I've got a good one for you today, and I'm excited to bring our guest to you. I have on the line Josh Sterling. Uh, Josh lives here in Michigan, and uh, I know him personally. I consider him a friend, so this is a, an exciting interview for me. I don't get to interview people I know a lot. So he's a local guy just killing it. He grew up in Lake Tahoe, California. Uh, he's a, an airline pilot for five years, or he was an airline pilot for five years. Now he has a Piper Saratoga that he flies. I don't have any idea what that means, but I am going to find out. He's currently an air traffic controller at Metro Detroit. Uh, Josh moved here in 2009. That's also when he started investing in real estate. So we're definitely going to dig into that. He currently owns and manages 125 units. He flips 12 to 15 properties per year and also runs a property management company. And oh, by the way, did you hear me when I said he has a job? So we're going to dig into all that. All the excuses have just went out the window for everybody who has a day job and says they can't do this. So let's dig, let's find out how he does it, actually. Hey, Josh, how's it going, man? Hey, great, great. Thanks for having me, Mike. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for being on. I, I, I took a little time off my podcast. I meant to do this months ago, but I, I sort of took a little break and got busy here with stuff I was doing in my business. So I'm glad that we were able to get this done. I really do appreciate your time. Absolutely. Awesome. So let's dig into it a little bit. First of all, I think I kidded you about this the first time I met you, but uh, you grew up in California and now you're in Michigan. That seems like the wrong direction. Most people go the other way. <laughs> uh, people only come to Michigan for love or money. I'm sure you've heard that one, right? <laughs> exactly. So I did it for both. All My right. wife is, uh, grew up in the area that we live in now that we invest in. So when I met her, uh, that was what one reason that drove us back here and the real estate, uh, the opportunity in the real estate market was a, a very close second for us moving here. Okay. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, obviously it's a different market here than in California. Maybe, maybe it's a tad easier to acquire properties. Um, 
But, you know, people are doing it in California, so I guess it ha- you can do it anywhere. But now, you, you are a pilot for five years. So tell me, uh, how did were you like a commercial pilot? Yeah, so my background is uh, I decided I want to be an airline pilot. It sounded like a, a great career. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people think it would be a, an awesome job, and, and it has its uh, definite pluses. But uh, went to college to focus on that, uh, four-year degree. And um, I was one of the, the, I think, lucky few that uh, ended up getting on with one of the airlines right out of college. And I, I really thought I had it made. I had uh, done well in school, got into the career I was looking to uh, right out of college, um, had gone and bought myself uh, a property to live in at the time down in the Orlando, Florida area. Um, it was, and basically, it, it had followed the scripted path that uh, I'd always been told and, and thought I had it figured out. Yeah, and, uh, it sounds like everything went as planned. So, so why why are you not currently an airline pilot? Yeah, so you know, one day I uh, I had this realization that I, I'd been flying for the airlines for a year or two, and I I wasn't making the money I thought I w- should make. I had a lot more student loan debt than I thought I was going to have. I had a you know just everything wasn't exactly going as planned, even though I followed the script almost to the T. Um, and and so I had this realization I need to make a change, and it actually happened. Um, at the airlines, it's it's kind of an unstable industry. Anybody in the industry knows it's it's known for its instability. And uh, one day, I found out with about uh, three weeks' notice, I'd be getting a fifty percent pay cut. I was getting downgraded from a, a captain to a first officer because the company had decided to do some shrinking. Uh, somebody that you know made decisions somewhere um, basically cut the company in half, and that meant that. I got a 50% pay cut. And for me, I didn't like that lack of control. And I had this realization, I need to do something different, which is what uh, triggered the uh, chain of events that made me eventually leave the airlines and okay. get into real estate as well. Yeah, and that, and that makes total sense. So you moved here in 2009, I assume shortly after this event happened with the airlines. Is that is that right? Uh, yeah, with, you know, the airline life is also tough in that you are at, at, for six months of, of my time at the airlines, I didn't even live anywhere. Um, you can, you, you're basically a nomad if you yeah. want to be. So I would travel around, visit family, friends, and I, um, trying to pin it down. I think I officially moved to Michigan in, in 2009, but, um, I had been, um, commuting or, or flying back and forth up to here for a year or two prior to that to see, um, my now wife who had lived here at the time. Okay. So you got to Michigan. Did you immediately start investing? Did you know that's what you wanted to do, or did you sort of get you know dig in and get some roots and get a job and then start investing? Well, no. So for us, I actually, um, as I realized I was getting this this big pay cut and, and realized the airlines wasn't the direction I wanted to go any longer, um, I, I really sat back and kind of had a, a check, you know, a life check event. I said, okay, this is something has to change here. So. That's when I decided I was going to find you know employment outside of the airlines and got into my current field as an air traffic controller. And it's also when I decided I wanted to have some way to, to provide for myself and not be at the mercy of somebody I don't even know that can give me a 50% pay cut with three weeks notice. Yeah. So that's that was about uh, 08 time frame, middle of 08 maybe. Um, I decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something differently here. So I was still flying for the airlines waiting for this other... Uh, air traffic control gig to take off, and we started purchasing real estate almost right away. Um, even on that that reduced salary that I was now making, um, we just started scrimping and saving, and the market was kind to us in that it had just gone on sale. So so it was a little yeah. bit easier to pick things up. But 
I actually had, uh, before I left the airlines, I ended up with five properties in um, the Downriver area in Southeast Michigan where I invest right now. Right. And just to be clear, people are listening to us from all over the you know country and all over the world, actually. But Southeast Michigan, Detroit, different markets. Don't think Detroit when you think Michigan. I don't know. I don't think you invest in Detroit. Is that right, Josh? Or am I wrong about that? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch it with your money, Mike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why I tell people you almost couldn't give me give it to me. Now people do it and whatever, but I don't. I've talked about it. I think when people hear Michigan, they hear Detroit, and that's all they know. But there's a lot of really great areas and communities around, you know, outside of Detroit. So that's what we're talking about here. Uh, and I started about the same time you did. I started in 08, 09, and uh, you're right. Everything was on sale and in michigan you know that means you know like really low like what was your your first couple properties if you don't mind what did you spend for your first couple properties we were we were buying properties in the 20 to 30 maybe thirty five thousand range um and those were properties that at the peak had been selling for 140 to 160 yeah um that's not that we can't buy those anymore but uh those same properties have, have since come back up close to where they were, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, they were they were really on sale. Yeah, we're talking about really like nice neighborhoods, really nice blue collar family neighborhoods. Nothing, nothing bad at all. It's just you know the, the economy hit right, and everything got really inexpensive. And it was good for me, and it was good for you as an investor when we started out because it allowed us to get in the game and, and kind of get the wheels in motion. Now. I know what people are probably wondering, and this is something that I think you get a lot, I would imagine. Um, you own 125 units. You've been doing this since 2009, so you know six years-ish, roughly. Uh, 12 to 15 properties now you're flipping. I know you didn't do that originally, but you're flipping properties, 12 to 15 a year now, and you have this property management company where I know you're managing houses that you don't own. I don't know if that's a big part of your portfolio, but I know there are uh, properties under your management company that you don't personally own. So given all of that success, why the day job? <laughs> uh, you know, the day job, at first, it was just a great opportunity. It was, it's a much better uh, salary and a much better schedule than my airline job. It really was a nice uh, tool that allowed me to uh, aggressively invest Um I've always been a fan of, of living well below my means. Uh, I, you know, I strive to live on 25%, say, of my net income is usually our goal. And so the day job, the more money you make there, the more you have to invest. And I've always looked at it that way. Over the last year or two, as we've gotten bigger and bigger and, and our real estate income has far surpassed our, our day job income, now I more look at the day job. Um, my wife also works full-time as a nurse. Um, we look at those day jobs as more of a tool to uh, appeal for the bank financing that we're getting. Um, it, it, when, when you have that side W-2 income, especially two W-2 incomes um, on the side, and, and it, um, it's something that you don't touch on a daily basis, it helps a lot when I go to get a bank loan for a big multifamily building or to refinance some of my rentals. So the day job won't be there forever, I can tell you that. I don't, I don't know how much longer it's going to be, but right now it's... Uh, it does work really nicely to play into the overall real estate strategy. All right, I'm just picturing you're you're doing the air traffic controlling job, and you know you're trying to run this this grow humongous company, growing company, planes. You're not, you know, <laughs> the, the, the 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 mind is still on the air traffic controlling. Though I would, that would be hard for me. I'm being sure. Honest, so the air traffic I mean, controlling, it, it really gets. I think there's, you know, movies out there there that give it kind of a bad rap. People think it's a high stress job. It's really not. It's more of a. Um, I tell people it's almost like a like a puzzle game. Um, I enjoy it. I, I actually enjoyed this a lot more than I enjoyed even flying jets for the airlines. Um, 
I just didn't know it at the time. Um, it is not nearly as stressful as people think, and schedule-wise, we work a lot of peaks and, and valleys. So um, just like you've been in any airport, if you, if you go in there at a, at a busy time, everybody's going to be in there working as far as the air traffic controllers. Yeah. But there's also lulls in that traffic, and we get a little bit of free time to ourselves waiting for those lulls where a couple people are working you know, a bunch of air, you know, the, the airplanes that we have, and, and the majority of us are um, on our own time for an hour or so. And that happens various times throughout the day. So it gives me a little bit of opportunity to send a few emails or you know, catch up on some phone calls. But when it's uh, in there, when, when the airplanes are coming, it's all strictly business with the air traffic. Okay, makes sense. So now, you're, as far as your business goes, the the landlord side of it, or the buying and holding properties, that's what you started out doing. Is that right? Yeah. So that's okay. and even now, that's still my focus. I mean, we yeah. started. I, I didn't really start flipping properties until about a year and a half or two years ago, when the market started supporting it a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. So when you started off buying these properties. We talked about the price point a little bit, but for someone who has 125 units, you obviously have gotten down to a, you know maybe a little bit of a science, or you certainly have your systems and and how you like to do this. What do you look for in a property when you're going to invest in a property? Maybe let's even talk about because I think it would be interesting. Let's talk about what your mindset was in the first you know five or ten that you bought versus now. And I'm sure there's been an evolution and some change with the market and with your experience. But what were you looking for in the beginning? How did you decide which one was a good one? And then how do you do that nowadays? Sure. It's actually, I'm glad you phrased it that way because I think there's a huge shift in the difference in uh, approach that we take to purchasing property now versus when I first started. Um, when I first started, my mindset was number of doors, just add properties. And I knew I didn't want to buy in, in bad areas. But other than that, if I could buy a desirable, a house that was in a desirable city, um, one of my target cities in the, the downriver area where I'm at, um, I didn't care so much if it was a two-bedroom or if it was a three-bedroom. I didn't care if it was vinyl or instead of brick. I didn't care if it didn't have a garage. It, sure, those things were all nice, but I tended to buy the properties that weren't as desirable from a seller standpoint. Therefore, they were easier to get into. And you might have heard the expression, uh, easy in, hard out. It was basically I could get a great deal on the buy side they weren't going to sell for as much, but I found that those rented well. And looking back now that I know what I know, obviously those weren't the best deals and those properties haven't appreciated as well. Some of my first couple properties, but they gave me doors. They got me in the game. They got me to that eight or 10 property level where you can actually start to think of this more as a business and have some scale. And I, I tell people now starting out all the time, don't try to make every, your, your first property, your second, your third, they don't have to be perfect. They're going to rent. If you make them nice, if you run the, the property management side of it professionally, they're going to rent and you're going to make money. And I think a lot of people have trouble getting into this because they think that every property needs to be that three-bedroom, two-bath ranch that's on a cul-de-sac with a garage and a finished basement. And you've just limited your, your pool of potential uh, investment properties down to next to nothing there. Yeah, I love that you say that because you know a lot of people that are starting out, they'll talk to someone like you and they'll say, hey, Josh, how do you evaluate properties? And they won't maybe qualify 
it the way I did. And you'll say, well, you know, this is what I look for. Now with 125 units, I'm sure that you're nitpicking or, or I should say cherry picking a little bit more, making sure it's the exact right property. You're not just shotgunning approach and just trying to get anything that'll rent. So when someone new comes to you and they want to get in the game and they just ask you a simple question, what do you look for in a property? And you tell them, then they go out and try to do that. You're absolutely right. They're, they're so worried about getting the exact right property. And I, I always tell people, if you want to buy one or two rental properties in your whole life, yeah, sit tight. Wait for the perfect one. Don't get something that isn't exactly right. Hold on to it. If you're trying to scale and you're trying to get you know, a, a large portfolio, exactly what you said. They're not all going to be three-bedroom brick ranches, two, you know, two bathrooms with a basement and a garage and on a cul-de-sac. You want them all to be, but realistically, if you're waiting for that house, you're not gonna you're not gonna grow at the rate that most people want to grow. So, I, I do like that. I like that opinion and I like that advice. I think it's really, really, really sound. And obviously, everybody wants the best properties for the money. That goes without saying. But you know, if your goal is to get in the game and start creating cash flow and sort of get your foot in the door, you may not get the cream of the crop properties every single time. So. I think that's important. So now, so that what you were looking for in the beginning, I understand exactly. Are, am I right? Are you actually being a little bit more selective now? And if so, what exactly are you looking for? Sure, we're absolutely more selective now, mainly because we can be. We don't need to, to add single family homes as rentals to sustain the business. We're more focused on the multifamily side. But when a nice single family comes along, we like to find a, a brick ranch. We like to find a three-bedroom. In this area, they're usually one-bath properties. We usually want a basement and a garage. Um, as soon as you start getting rid of any of those, uh, you start getting rid of the garage or you get rid of the basement or you get rid of a bedroom, you're going to lose a ton of potential on the, the ARV, the after repair value of that property. And so our strategy for the last couple of years has been we only buy desirable properties with those characteristics I listed, and then we improve them as if we were flipping any property. And even though we don't want to flip every one of them, we, it allows us to be to, to have some flexibility that when we finish that rehab, we've got either a very, very nice rental with granite and stainless appliances and what a lot of people would call over rehab, but we've got a very, very nice rental, or we can make the decision to, to sell it as a flip. And that gives us a lot of flexibility in where we want us to shape our portfolio and also what we want to do with our cash flows and, and some of the extra capital we may have laying around. Okay. Now, can you t talk to me a little bit about, you know, you said now you're a little more selective. You're looking for those really nice houses. You're doing, in, in your words, you know, could be uh, construed or could be d described as over-renovating for a flip or for a, for a rental. But let me ask you this. When you started, has your mind, and, and I don't know the answer to this. Some of these I kind of know the answer because I know you, but this one I right. really don't. When you are evaluating a property, are you is it, is it safe to say that you're less concerned about your cash flow return on investment than you are your overall investment and the possibility of flipping it and or selling it someday? Or is that not fair? Are you absolutely just as concerned about getting all the cash flow you were you were always concerned about, but now you've just added this other element? Because I'm wondering when you when you're buying the nicer houses and the nicer neighborhoods and doing the high end rehabs. Are you are you reducing your cash flow that you can expect or or no? So in a way, yeah. On on the surface, I could definitely make make my cash flow increase by doing less of a rehab by buying maybe slightly less desirable properties. Um, but I I had this realization after maybe two or three or four properties. We we had done some fairly nice rehabs, probably 
getting towards over rehabbing, but not quite there. And what I realized was the properties that we've done really nice versus um, a friend of mine that might have had a property that was basically rental quality, as most people would think. I rented mine out time and time again much faster than he did. Maybe I'd have mine on the market for a day or two. If I have a property on the market for rent for over three or four days, it's like a uh, it's like a hair on fire emergency. I mean, that, we don't see that. <laughs> yeah. So I started realizing that long term, I think if you look at a 10 or a 12 or 15 year period, I bet you our cash flow, even though we put this extra money in the rehab, is probably better than if I had tried to scrimp and, and save on every little thing, like is so common in the mentality with a lot of landlords. So I really fixated on that lately, and and now we've just gone the extra the extra mile. Where we'll put granite in all of our rentals, and we'll put a nice stainless appliance package in, and we'll do recessed lighting and things like that that are not what you normally get in a rental. But in the long run, it's it's reducing our vacancy, it's reducing our turnover, the quality of tenants we're getting. I think is is excellent, um, and I think overall it's it's actually helping the cash flow long term. All right, and, and I actually have a question for you. So you're doing the higher quality rehab, and you said that that allows you to rent faster than maybe the next guy in a lot of cases, or maybe in every case. But I'm wondering, the high-end rehab, I would assume that also allows you to ask for more in rent. You know, so I've always tried to not inflate the, the rent amounts um, because what I don't want to happen is we, we get a tenant in at top-of-market rent, and then they realize after a year that – yeah, this is a nice property, but the shine has worn off, and we can go get a different property for you know twenty percent less per month. So I've, I've always wanted to avoid that trap. Um, so we actually try not to price our properties too much above market. We'll usually try sort of the the best product, best price model, and we're definitely not uh, not below market rent at all. We're we're on the high side of market rent, but I, I try to keep it below. Um, or or on that high side without without overinflating that rent because that's just going to over time I think increase that turnover and turnover in, in this business is what costs us money. Yeah, no doubt about it. That'll that'll kill you faster than anything. So you did you're buying all these rentals and you're kind of building your your empire. You said that you started flipping houses because the market was was making that more profitable or it was it was more favorable for you to do that at that point. So how did you, how, how did that look and how, well, I want to talk about a couple of things actually. Maybe we should step back into the rentals just for a minute. Sure. You're, you're acquiring rentals, you're 125. I think at one point you had f- like your first four or five years, you got like 50. Is that right? Yeah. Up until we've actually, we've been growing rapidly and up in about a year ago today, I think we had 50 five or so rentals. Yeah, that's insane. You have 125 now. So as you're increasing like that, I know you talk about the day job and it makes it a little more attractive for banks, but I know you know, everyone kind of knows there's a limit to what banks will will lend even with your day job. So just maybe from a, from a, a macro sense, funding, how are you managing to buy so many properties so fast? Sure. So a lot of what we've done, we've done has been the same bank model we've worked on from day one. Which none of that, I, I don't. I think one time ever have I gotten a conventional thirty-year mortgage. So this is all with portfolio lenders, which which I assume most people know what that is. Otherwise, I can get into that. But most of our financing up to date, um, we still don't have any partners on anything um, on the equity side. It's been done with a portfolio loan from a bank where we group um, four or five, or sometimes up to. 12 or 15 properties together and, and pull out a cash out refinance on those. Um, and I've used that as the down payment on apartment buildings. And I've used that as the down payment on a pool of rental properties. 
up until recently, I, I had the same realization that you just uh, were, were alluding to there that I can't do this forever. I'm not going to get to 10,000 units by um, going back to the same portfolio lender and, and you getting a 80% financing on a apartment building. Eventually, that down payment becomes an issue and, and funding all that uh, the downstroke. So what we've started to do more and more recently is work with private lenders that we're actually turning down four and a half percent money from some of the banks that they'll call us on a regular basis ready to do another deal and I've turned down a couple of those to go with some of the more uh, active private lenders in the area and, and turns out these guys are all over. If you had asked me two years ago I thought they were like at a unicorn but uh, <laughs> we've done about $500,000 in private money in the last two months so they're all over the place and I've been meeting these guys at local meetups and just through networking. Um, it's amazing how much is actually out there. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right and, and money is definitely attracted to you know, activity and success and you have a lot of both of those things. So. That's really interesting to hear. And let's just maybe let's give us the, like the the layman or the, the the two cent version of what a portfolio loan is for people who don't know. Sure, a portfolio loan is typically a small bank or a credit union in a lot of cases. That the key is they lend money that they control, so they do not sell that loan on the open market. They keep that loan on their own books. And what that allows them to do is be have a lot more discretion when they make that approve or deny decision and or come up with the terms. Okay, exactly. So yeah, you're basically getting a loan based on a group of properties that you already own and, and they're giving you a loan based on that. Yes. Um, okay, so now you start flipping properties. You know, you have this day job, so I, I don't wanna like gloss over that. I kinda highlighted it at the beginning and I talked to a lot of new investors, and one of the major complaints, and I had this myself when I was new, I have a day job. I'm busy all day long. I can't do this. How, how am I going to do this? I, I, can't, I can't work my day job and expect, be expected to invest in real estate. And I know you said your job gives you a little bit of flexibility during the day, but still, listen, 125 units, 12 to 15 properties you're flipping, and a property management company, you're, you've got systems down. There's no doubt about that. But how do you sort of balance that out? And you're, like you said, you're a pilot. You, you fly your own plane. So how do you balance all this out? How do you find time to do all this? Uh, we don't have TV. <laughs> is, that for, is that right? Is that real? We don't. Yeah, we don't. But oh, no, I don't, we don't have time for that. But uh, we are, we're busy. Uh, my wife, is, uh, she's supportive of the business, but she doesn't take much part in the day-to-day, -day, um, especially as we've gotten... Uh, a few employees uh, working for us now that's allowed her to step out of it. So what we do, uh, actually how this came about, I think it's interesting and, and good to point out is um, I know several people that have 15, 20, or 30 or so units. I, I don't know a lot of people that get much over that number, and I think that's a real natural barrier. Um, I think the reason that is is because a lot of these people are, are kind of technicians. If you've ever read the, the book, The E-Myth, you know, you, look at your plumber, your electrician. It's really no different with, with uh, landlords. A lot of people manage their own properties. They do their own maintenance. They handle all their own phone calls. Uh, they do everything themselves. And I was no different than that. I did that for actually up until 55 units with a full-time job or 50 units maybe, somewhere in there. Yeah. One day I sat back and I said, man, if I want to take a vacation without phone and internet, that is out of the question. So I need to do something different because I've got a good day job. I don't have to be doing this rental thing. I've decided to do this to, you know, hopefully have this freedom, this this uh, passive income, this light at the end of the tunnel. And here I've just created another job, and you know, this is crazy. Sure. So I started actually 
thinking about how can I how can I scale this business? That's actually why I opened the management company. I, I, I don't think I make any money on management right now. We're not huge on, on the management side of it, and it's more for scale. Um, but I got an office building. I, I started doing things like a real company, I think, like a, like a growing business should. And one of those things was like, I started looking at my day-to-day activities and seeing where I could delegate things out. And the first thing I did was I hired an office manager take, to take those phone calls away from me. That was a huge step, yeah. and it was it was actually it was tough to give up. I've always controlled everything. I've always um, I, I'm a kind of a perfectionist in that sense, and so to give up the someone's ability to make decisions, you know, now my office manager answers the phones. Um, she has to make some decisions on the fly, and to give that up was hard. But I started I started looking at any and everything I could delegate. Um, brought on an office manager that took a lot of my workload away. That let uh, you know, made it easier to go to my day job because I wasn't so much in the day to day. I wasn't going out and emptying rent drop boxes at our apartments or taking phone calls about maintenance requests. And uh, I had long since started subbing out maintenance. Um, then I'll, I'll try to keep it tight here. The next, uh, the next big step I did though was uh, a few months later. I realized there was still a lot of running around I was doing for managing the rehabs. I was still I couldn't send my office manager out to deliver materials to the contractors or to check up on the the progress on the job. So I went ahead and I hired, um, it was actually been a friend of mine for quite a while, but I hired someone to come on as a project manager for me, Um, somebody I knew and trusted. So I was able to give him a lot of access to our financials and, and just there was already that instant trust to start, which was a huge help. But that has been what excelled us. The combination of those two people let us go from 50 units or so last year at this time to 125 and hopefully growing rapidly still um, because that day-to-day workload is taken out. Um, In fact, just two weeks ago, we went away from having subcontracted uh, maintenance and we hired our first full-time maintenance employee. So we're we're just taking steps to to grow this and and it's really putting systems in place and delegating the day-to-day and then just still, I do have a little bit of free time to go into the job. Yeah, I love that. Systemization and delegation is absolutely, and it really took me a long time to figure that out, and I still struggle with it. I have some of the same, you know, feelings that you do about giving up control, and, you know, I like to think that I can do it, and I'm okay, but it's hard for me to do that, but absolutely, just understanding the concept of, of systemizing your business and then delegating and hiring people strategically to do certain things Man, it's it's all the difference in the world, and, and everyone's big complaint is I can't afford to do that. I don't I don't make enough money. Well, that's fine. Do it yourself. But once you get to the point where you maybe can, even part time, hiring someone part time to take some of it away from you so that you can concentrate on higher you know revenue generating type activities is is awesome. It's just such good good advice, and I I really appreciate you saying that. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's what's helping us grow and it's uh, what actually makes the business more and more enjoyable is to get out of some of the things I didn't like doing maybe or, or that bogged me down. Absolutely. Now, for someone, I'm sure you go to meetups and you're active in the area and, and you talk to a lot of people. I'm sure newer investors come up to you all the time and ask you for advice. What types of things do you tell people that are trying to get into real estate, whether it's flipping houses, buying rentals, any any sage advice, any any high level kind of like advice that you give people? So... Well, you know, you can see I, I go to a lot of these local meetups and I really enjoy that for, for I'm, I'm trying to reach up the ladder and, and pick the brains of people who are doing things or have done things that I haven't yet done. Sure. And I also, I really do enjoy helping the, the new people starting out. One thing I think I see a lot with new people starting out is 
the fear of making that first step. Um, I, I really enjoy it when you find a guy that is brand new that you can just see that fire in his eyes and you know that this guy is going to take this thing to the next level. This guy is going to have 15, 20 units in the next year or two. And I've, I've met a few guys over the last couple of years um, that have done that. The difference with the guy that goes to 15, 20 units in a couple of years and the guy that maybe gets one or doesn't get in the game at all is action. And you've probably heard it a thousand times, but you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have that perfect house or you don't have to know everything. Just buy something and it will work itself out. And I know that sounds totally crazy, but I didn't know what I didn't know when I started. So, I mean, my first deal, I had an opportunity to buy the thing on land contract, which I'm sure most people know what that is. And I thought, land contract, that seems like a scam. I'm going to pay cash for this. So I wasted all of my cash on one property when I could have used (laughs) a land contract term. That's just one silly thing that I didn't know. There, There was a ton of stuff but the people that are that make this happen are the people that get educated definitely go out do your research and never stop i'm still learning every day um but go out get educated enough to where you have a concept of what you're doing you have the idea but don't expect to have everything figured out you never will and get in and and do something buy something um make your first property happen make your second your third once you get to four or five i think people can really start to see the benefits of what we're doing here yeah um and if that's you know if, even if your goal is 10 you really need a couple properties um to actually really see where this can take you yeah absolutely and it, just for the record if anybody's in southeast michigan and you do take on uh people's houses that you that other people's houses right your property management company actually services other people other than your own yes house. absolutely we, okay. you know, we don't push that side of the business too hard but i think management is our strongest our strongest point a little bit of a blurb on why we started the management company is you know back when i was managing all these properties myself i would have loved to just hand them all off to a management company and step out of the day-to-day of everything but i knew that they wouldn't fill the vacancies as fast as i would that they wouldn't take care of the tenants as professionally as we would and and they just i I knew they wouldn't run it as well as we did i looked around at multiple companies so we decided to start our own and and i that that's probably the number one aspect of our company that's helped us to grow and helped us to be as successful as we are is is that we the way we manage our properties? So our goal is always that if we take on a property for a client to manage, we're going to manage it as if it was our own, with that same care, that same aggressiveness, that same professionalism, um, so that it can it can cash flow and it can be the investment that it should be. Yeah, is it okay if I give out the name of the company? Absolutely. Okay, it's Epic Property Management, and it's epicpropertymanagement.com online. So you can go there and check it out and, and get a hold of Josh and see if it's a good fit. I know you don't you don't manage properties all over Michigan. You're fairly localized into a few counties there. I think Wayne and sure, we, Oakland County. Yeah, we pretty much stay into Wayne. We'll go a little bit into Oakland County. And we're, we'd really be doing a disservice to someone if I said I could go manage your property out in the Jackson area. Yeah. Um, we know our local market very, very well. Um, we're very focused on mostly the Downriver area, but basically the greater Wayne County area. Um, and if I if I were to go start trying to manage properties outside of that, I probably wouldn't be doing as good of a job. I'd probably be making a bad name for myself, so we just stay away from them. That's awesome. That's that's totally cool. Now, what what's happening now in your business? What are you excited about? What are you working on currently? Sure. Um, well, we're always looking for the opportunity to grow. So whether that be uh, to pick up a, a new property for a rehab flip here and there, um, I do have a, a kind of a back burner deal that I'm working on that would be another 72 unit building. Uh, you never know these things are going to come about until right. 
really the day you close on them, but uh, <laughs> it's something we're, we're working on right now, and hopefully if I talk to you in a couple months, I'll be able to tell you that we've uh, got, it, got it closed up here or, or making some progress. Um, and we're starting to work more on syndicating funds. You know, I've, I've done all of this up to this point with basically my own money, some private lenders, uh, you know, just on a debt-type service deal. Um, but really the next step for us and, and where we want to take this is to start uh, – pooling together, uh, getting a private placement memorandum set up and, and actually uh, putting together a syndication and, and work on some of these larger apartment buildings. Um, like I was alluding to earlier, one thing that I've seen just with the multifamily buildings we've taken over is that, that our management is really what set us apart. Yes, we go and we put money into the properties and that definitely helps. Yeah. Um, it, it starts that upward spiral. But the way we've been managing properties, I think, is where we've been adding our value. And so I like to find more properties that are maybe a little bit mismanaged and, and hopefully uh, be able to add that value to those. Nice. Now, not everybody wants this, but if people want to get a hold of you, should they go through Epic Property Management or is there a better way? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You can uh, use the contact form at epicpropertymanagement.com or you can email me directly at josh at epicpropertymanagement.com. Perfect. Josh, man, I really appreciate this. It's been a lot of fun. I learned some stuff that I didn't know and a lot of good information. Uh, I do appreciate you doing this. Like I said, I, I, we, you know, we, we met about eight months ago, uh, six, eight months ago, and I'm just totally impressed with everything you do. You're, you're really, you know, aside from all the success, you're just a good guy. I mean, you're a nice guy. So, I mean, that's like probably, you know, one of the biggest, the nicest things that someone can say about you because there's a lot of successful people, you know, here in Southeast Michigan, no shortage, but you're a good dude too. So that's like huge. Well, I appreciate it very much. And it was definitely nice to talk with you. All right, man. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. I'll be talking to you soon. All right. Take care. Yep. Bye-bye. All right, guys. I teased it a little bit at the top of the show, told you that my business has been transformed and what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, my business model, my focus is significantly different today than it was even six months ago. One of the changes and one of the things that I'm doing now that I wasn't doing in the past is I'm doing an awful lot of direct marketing. And I'm gonna get into that quite a bit in the coming weeks and months and let you know exactly what I'm doing and how I'm doing it and the results that I'm getting. And let me tell you, the results have been fantastic. But one of the things that I'm doing now that I wasn't doing in the past is I'm doing a lot of wholesaling of houses. Now, I live in the Michigan market, so if you're in the Michigan market, or even if you're not in the Michigan market, but you want to acquire rentals, or you'd even like to do flips remotely if you're not in Michigan, but uh, for those of you in Michigan who listen to the show, uh, I have got just a tremendous amount of deals coming in, leads coming in that I'm turning into deals every day. If you want to find out more about that, if you want to even get out of my buyer's list and have a, a small consultation with me, let me know what you're looking for. I would be happy to do that. You can just shoot me an email here at the podcast at mike at juststartrealestate.com and put in the subject line uh, wholesale so I know what it's regarding so I can kind of get to it right away and sift through all of the emails and find yours. But I'm telling you, the Michigan market is incredible. If you're in one of those states and one of those markets where it's pretty much impossible to find good rental properties that really cash flow and have a strong ROI, we really need to talk because I'm telling you, there's a ton of them here in Michigan and I'm finding them every single day. So shoot me an email if you'd like to know more about it. No big deal. I'll be talking about this a lot coming up and letting you know what I'm doing. But if you just like to get a hold of me right away, if you're looking for properties to either flip or to buy and hold, definitely get a hold of me, mike at juststartrealestate.com. 
I will talk to you directly and see if we can figure out something that works for you in terms of properties and what you're looking for. So anyways, give me an email. I'd like to talk to you. And that's all I have for today. Okay, until next time, if investing in real estate is your dream, there's only one way you can make it a reality. Just start.